part of it for me was learning to let go of the things that I was really competent at so I could spend more time in my excellence. And then as I then found people that had excellences that were nicely adjunct to mine, then I was able to move into my zone of genius. And I think that's where you really get to, your business starts to catapult. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. BuildLane is a platform that makes it super easy for designers to specify custom furniture. They are changing the game. The end result is an unleashing of your creativity Whatever you can imagine can be built. And whether or not you're a novice at custom furniture design or an expert, Build Lane's team can make the process super easy. Head on over to buildlane.com. That's buildlane.com. Use code WINGNUT250 to get a $250 discount just for you. Buildlane.com. This podcast is also brought to you by guess who? Wingnut Social. We are a digital marketing agency for interior designers and adjacent verticals such as home pros, architects, landscapers, decorators, home stagers, home business coaches, you name it. Give us a call at 786-206-4331 or go look at our case studies from our happy, happy interior design clients at wingnutsocial.com. That's wingnutsocial.com. Hey there, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Jethro Powell. And today we have a great show for you. We actually have Monique Allen, who is our very first landscaper on the show. I don't think we've ever had a landscaper, and it makes total sense. Monique is going to be talking about how to scale your business. And Monique's business, the Garden Continuum, isn't just a landscaping business. It's a multi-million dollar landscaping business. And she started with one employee, one W-2 employee, and now she has over 18 employees, soon to have 21 employees. And she makes the bank and profitable with zero debt. So we're going to go into it and talk about how she scaled her business, the benefits of scaling her business. And after listening to Monique, you're going to want to do the same, maybe, if that's if that's your jam, if you want to scale your business. And after my main conversation with Monique, we get into an extended conversation on Wingnut Premium, talking about a subject near and dear to my heart, which is biophilic design and bringing in landscapers as a team partner, as part of your offering as a designer to give value to the homeowner. And she touched upon a lot of things that I haven't thought about, even as a designer in Miami, Florida, and you would think there'd be tons of this aspect <laughs> in your work to incorporate the inside and the outside in your design. So it's very, very interesting insights, a terrific woman, a great interview. But before we get into my interview with Monique Allen, y'all know what time it is. It's time for Minnie News, Minnie News Sesh. Yeah. Hey there, Emily Lisi. Welcome back to the podcast. What do you have today for the Minnie News Sesh? Today, we just got news just yesterday that swipe ups on Instagram stories are going to be replaced with link sticker. Wait a minute. No more swipe ups on Instagram? That's an institution. Yep. No, swipe ups are going bye-bye. No more swipe ups. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, there's just going to be like a little sticker saying wingnutsocial.com, et cetera. You click that and go to wherever. So if you don't know what stickers are, they are the little button at the top 
right-hand corner of your stories. It's the little smiley face that kind of looks like a sticker peeling off. And those are little interactive elements that you can add to your stories. So this is Instagram just kind of streamlining their stickers and they, they kind of want people to use them more. So this is their way of accomplishing that. Wow. I'm really surprised because everybody's been like, okay, swipe up, swipe up, swipe up. That's like in the vernacular now. Everything is swipe up, swipe. Are they opening this up to those accounts with less than 10,000 followers now? Is that a change? They have not confirmed that. They've only said that it will be rolling out to people who currently have swipe up. So that'll be people with 10,000 followers or accounts that are verified. But they do want to eventually let users under 10K followers be able to use it, but it's not confirmed yet. Wow, that's going to be a game changer. Do you think this has anything to do with Instagram shopping? Why would they want to send more people off of the site? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some, some people are saying that this is a way to maybe make people stay on the site because swipe ups are so inherent to what people are used to that stickers may potentially get less clicks than a swipe up. I'm not sure about that, but yeah. Oh, I see. So it might be even like a deterrent instead of swiping up. Okay. All right. Well, that remains to be seen. I'm just so used to swiping up or put swipe up or, you know, the little emojis with the, you know, fingers pointing up or the cute things. So a whole new little industry, the sticker taps. Now now you'll have to tell them to tap the link. (laughs) Double tap. (laughs) or something like that. All right, Emily, thank you so much for this breaking news. We'll see you next week. All righty. Many news sash. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Emily, thank you so much. Now let's get into my interview with Monique Allen. Before we do, though, let me tell you a little bit about the woman. Monique Allen is the CEO of the Garden Continuum, an award-winning seven-figure landscape design, build, and fine gardening company currently operating, like I said, debt-free, and profitable with 18 employees on staff. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Monique Allen to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Monique Allen. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I am doing great, Darla. I am very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on here. In fact, I think this is a Wingnut Social Podcast first. You're our very first landscaper on the show. Can you believe that? I am very proud to be that one too. (laughs) You're breaking barriers. And I was actually looking at your website at the Garden Continuum, which is your business. And holy cow, you are an exceptional marketer. I don't think I've ever seen a landscaping company who has their website and all their marketing as put together as you guys do. So my hat's off to you there. You have video on your website and everything very natural on video. I'm, I'm super, super impressed. Thank you so much. It's been a long journey and I love the idea of really solid marketing and love what you're doing. I just think that it makes such a difference in the consumer community when we have our act together on our websites. Yeah, 100%. And in our social marketing too, a, a little bit of a shameless plug there, but true story. And something I mentioned too, to the audience in your bio, and that I thought was super important that you put in your bio, especially for this purpose, is that You have a fine gardening company and you're operating debt-free and profitable with 18 employees on staff. And that is what we're going to be talking about to the audience today is talking about accomplishing that (laughs) and scaling up, scaling your business. So it's not just you pulling weeds and planting plants 24-7 because there's only so many hours in a day that you can spare and growing your business on that kind of a scale. So 
Let's dig in. First of all, tell us, have you always been doing landscaping design or where'd you get your start? I kind of have been. So I, I fell into it. I did not grow up in a gardening family. I didn't have a mom or a grandmom or, you know, somebody that I was trailing after in gardening. I fell into it at 18. I was lost. I actually tell this story right in the beginning of my book. I was without aspiration, without goal. I did not, I didn't even prep to go to college right. Like I just was lost. And I was working in a clothing store and a friend of mine basically just said, you're strong. You like to be outside. Why don't you come in? Um, we're doing a spring cleanup and some mulching. You know, I just looked at him like, yeah, you just spoke Swahili to me. I don't know what you just said, but it sounds like outside. I'm, I'm there. And I can't begin to tell you, Darla, I got into that world and immediately felt like I had come home. Like I had just, I was there and I never stopped. I, I made a ton of mistakes but I just kept on pulling on the threads as I found something that I liked. And like we shared in the, in the start, I'm going to be 55 this year. So that's a lot of years. And yeah, I don't regret a minute of it. Yeah, and you don't look it. So I, I was telling you in the <laughs> green room too, uh, you, my hat's off to you there as well. So clearly landscaping is, is good for the, uh, the genetics. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so at what point while you're doing landscaping, did you decide to go off and start your own business? I started landscaping while I was at a community college and then moved that degree into a full-time college. So I uh, landed at Northeastern University and they have an entrepreneurship program. I think it was like the first matriculating class for their entrepreneurship degree. And back then entrepreneurship was really watered down big business. It was, you know, take all the big business concepts and then just kind of trim them down. Really not talking about lifestyle business, not talking about a lot of the things that are in the narrative of entrepreneurship so I was working with a designer and learning a lot and going to school. And the short version of the story was because I was in school for entrepreneurship, I was ambitious. So I kept pushing her to do more. And she was just like, yo, <laughs> I'm happy here gardening. And I wanted more. So I went through this whole, became a, a freelancer. And then I became a sole proprietorship where I hired my first W-2 employee and did that for nine years and then uh, decided to incorporate. And so it, it just was a was an evolution as I wanted to get more out of the industry and I wanted to put more into the industry. I realized that doing it by myself wasn't going to work. Okay. So I know that there are people in the audience that are listening who have been doing interior design for nine, 10 years as a solopreneur. Maybe they do also have that one W-2 employee and they're maybe they're thinking, you know what? I want to do the same thing that it's aligning with what you're saying. I want to do more. Maybe I want more free time. Or I want to do more with the industry. Or I want to scale my business. What was it at the nine-year mark that made you say, you know what? Um, let me start looking deeper into this and to scale this. What were your pain points? So very simply put, I bought a house, got married, and was going to have a baby. Oh, okay. And so it was like, I all of a sudden felt like I needed a wedge between me personally and the business. And at that time, I probably had six or seven employees. I was running a Schedule C, but I was doing W-2s. But I wanted something more. And I had an idea. So my company at that time was called Second Nature. And I, I thought, oh, well, I'll incorporate the name. And I realized when I started on that track that I couldn't incorporate the name because it was owned. So, you know, hindsight being 2020, I would tell anybody who's building a business and not 
personal branding to be really careful about what you choose. And so I had to make this whole change. And as I was doing that, I realized that I could create a platform. So as a solopreneur or as a sole proprietorship, your platform is very low. It's kind of like a step stool. And for me, I thought, well, if I want to reach more and do more, if I want to have more impact, the corporate platform is going to give me more of a spring into that market. So that was the opportunity and the pain. I don't know if it was really a pain, more of a concern. I wanted a wedge between me personally and my personal life and the business. Were you working a hell of a lot of hours and you wanted to dial that down some too? No, not really. I mean, I was certainly working a lot of hours and I realized that motherhood was going to make a change. I mean, both my kids grew up going to job sites and sitting on heavy equipment. But what I wanted to do was more of what I felt excellent at and less of what I felt competent or incompetent at. And so in the choice, I wanted to gather people around me that had expertise in certain areas and that they would be able to excel such that I wouldn't think about it. And I would actually ride their coattails to get better. And little by little, that just you know was one person and then the next person, next person, and all my hires started to line up based on how does the hire elevate the company? How does the elevation of the company allow me to have more impact and have support? Let me see if I'm understanding you correctly. And if I could draw a parallel, for example, for me and uh, let's say my full-time design firm when I was doing full-time design in Miami, I had my strengths, which were the design part, but my weaknesses were the technical aspects, running CAD and everything. And when I decided that I wanted to work more on my strengths, the selling, the rainmaking, the bringing clients in, the networking, and let someone else do what was their strengths, like the CAD or the you know the floor plans, that kind of thing. Then I noticed my business started growing and I was able to scale. Is that like the seeds? Am I understanding correctly? You are totally okay. understanding <laughs> it. And I think the, the one ad, because that was perfectly restated, the one ad I would um, put on top of that is that if you think about the four quadrants, right, where you have your incompetence and competence and then your excellence and then your genius. We do not have the ability to scale our business if we're working in our competence and sometimes in our excellence. So I am an incredibly competent business manager, business administrator. I'm a really good organizer, but like, who cares? Mm -hmm. It's not what I should be doing. So part of it for me was learning to let go of the things that I was really competent at so I could spend more time in my excellence. And then as I then found people that had excellences that were nicely adjunct to mine, then I was able to move into my zone of genius. And I think that's where you really get to, your business starts to catapult. Are you referring to the Gay Hendricks zone of genius? Are yes, you talking, okay. yes, the big leap. Yes, totally. Great book. The Big Leap. That was the book that started getting me to delegate outside yes. of that. And I started feeling less guilty about, about scaling that. So in the landscape business, I'm curious as to how that works because the landscape business is it's a creative business, sure, for sure. But there's lots of hands-on labor and things like that. So was there a point to where you were actually doing all the hands-on stuff and you decided that's not your zone of genius? You're going to what you are you doing the design or the creativity and kind of shifting some of that hands-on stuff to other people so you can do more designs, more rainmaking? Absolutely. So I haven't worked in the field as my work for, you know, maybe 20 years. Oh wow, okay. So it's very easy 
I believe in our line of work, when we're designers, when a lot of what we're designing needs to be built or created or moved or packed up and unpacked and whatever, a lot of labor aspect to it. Those things are very easy to hand off because we just want the physical help. And same with the back office, right? You do the invoicing. I don't want to do that. I'm going to do the creative work. So those are the easiest things to hand off. And they are the first things you should hand off for sure. What becomes complicated for designers, I believe, is when you need to now begin to hand off the design, when you have to hand off the client contact. And that part took me too long. It really, it took me too long. I'm still working on it. But I have team now that really, I can build things and not even show up. I can maintain properties and my crew leads have relationships with the clients and I don't even see their properties unless I'm invited to help with something. That is, I think, where the rubber really hits the road because it requires the designer to be extremely clear about the mission and values of the company, of what they're trying to develop. And I I loved one of your other guests, uh, Erica. Erica Reiner. Yeah, I just loved it because she was talking about how she was niching down. And when you're doing that, you have to get clearer and clearer and clearer. And just like you will attract your perfect client, you will begin to attract your perfect employee, your perfect design partner, your perfect assistant. And those people are now ambassadors of your design strategy. I mean, think about how, like, you know, what Frank Lloyd Wright did. That's what we have to learn how to do. And to your point, some of the more successful designers out there now, if you think about them, you think about the Shay McGee's, the Kelly Worslers, the Joanna Gaines, lover, hater. She's not doing everything. She is the figurehead. She's the rainmaker. She's the person that the people are drawn to, but it's her design team. It's Kelly Worsler's design team. It's Shay McGee's design team now. And that is the hardest point is to say, let go. Let go and get that designer who aligns, but you have to have a mission statement, a vision, a direction for them aligned too, and let them do the projects. Give them permission to fail, give them permission to create, give them permission to go out there and get it done. And before I retired my design firm in Miami and decided to do the marketing full-time, I tell you, I did not have hands-on on my last 20 projects. <laughs> and I'm relatively new to the design industry, which is kind of crazy. But I had a, a director, I had a designer, and they would show me the designs and I would be like, yep, that looks terrific. That's right. That's There you go. And they were hands-on with everything. To work with me would have been another you know, escalation, another elevation. That's the only way to do it. And we were we would have 20 projects at a time, you know, doing that. And I could there's no way I could have done that if I was hands on with everything. So, um, I mean, there's there are people in the audience who are like, I don't care. I don't want that. That's nothing. I like doing my projects. I like being hands on. That's what I want to do. But you can only as a human being, you only have 24 hours in a day and you're really trading your time for money when you're hands on. And the only way to scale that is to make it exponential. And to have like little octopus arms going out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and making that money on your behalf and marking that up. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing, if I may, the other thing I would just say with that is that one of the other real mindset shifts for me was to move away from dollars for hours and looking at packaging things, really looking at the higher level value. And I think this was another one of your great episodes, uh, the woman who talked about limiting beliefs, Sarah Schneider. Yeah, maybe Sarah Schneider, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I loved one thing she said, this whole myth of charge what you're worth. Yeah. 
Like, I just thought that was so brilliant because really what we need to be doing is we need to be looking at the client's received value and their the elevation of their life. You are really elevating the work we do as designers in the home space. I mean, this is true in the workspace too. A lot of people work in workspaces too, but people have the ability to feel more at home, feel like they belong in their space, belong in their skin, and they are able to just be in a more productive way because they're calm. We do that. And I'm not sure there's a dollar per hour that I'm not, I'm not sure there is. And I found that when I was consulting on an hourly rate, I'll never forget it. One guy said to me, oh, like you charge what a surgeon would charge. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I said, maybe there's a correlation. I kind of do earth surgery, <laughs> you know, and I just made a joke about it. But I remember getting off that call being like, what the heck was that? And so what I did was I changed, I repackaged my service to be a service, a branded service name, where we went through a certain pattern and there was no set time. There was a, you know, a a minimum and a maximum, but then there was a set dollar amount. And I've been able to 10X that dollar amount because it in itself has value. It does not matter if it takes me an hour or three hours. Hey, this is Darla from Wingnut Social. Wingnut Social is a marketing agency for the interior designers. And I know something about that because I am an interior designer. And when I was doing full-time design in Miami, Florida, my social media marketing made all the difference in bringing me leads and clients. And not only that, but broadening my awareness, my reach, my brand awareness, and keeping me top of mind for clients when they were ready to pull that trigger on my interior design services. And right now, I know you guys are super, super busy but we all know that it's not going to last forever. So it's very important to keep top of mind and keep that pipeline stoked for when this super unprecedented busy design season decides to, you know, go away to do the opposite. And right now we have two slots left open for our full service digital marketing before we close enrollment for the fall and reopen it back sometime in December. So two spots left open for our full service social media marketing. We are busy, busy, busy. We have a waiting list. And that is because we have a very low churn rate. And what a churn rate means in the industry is, you know, someone comes in, someone goes out, someone comes in, someone goes out and sales has to, you know, churn has to keep on top of it. Well, at Wingness Social, nobody leaves. (laughs) Nobody leaves which is a testament to the job that we do for our clients. As a matter of fact, you can go to wingnutsocial.com, check out the case studies at the very top navigation, and you can see some of the results that we've managed to achieve for our clients while doing their digital marketing. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com or give us a call at 786-206-4331. We'll be happy to help you out. Have you visited our sponsor, buildlane.com? If you haven't, why haven't you? You know, when I was doing full-time interior design in Miami, Florida, I would have given my whole collection of Star Wars action figures to have known about Build Lane because we were doing a buttload of custom furniture work. The logistics were awful, but Build Lane, the genius behind them is they've solved that. They are basically a one-stop shop for all of your custom furniture needs. They have a whole stable full of vetted vendors that are capable of building almost anything you can imagine. 
And all you have to do is give them a fully specified CAD file or a pencil drawing on a cocktail napkin, and Build Lane is going to match the needs of the piece that you need with one of their highly vetted factories that has all the capabilities to make that. And they'll return a quote to you. You get your own little manager. You can show your clients, here is your beautiful piece getting built along the way. Aren't you freaking excited? Guys, this is the perfect opportunity to up-level your interior design game to make yourself that designer who can offer things that no other designer can. You need to get over to buildlane.com fast and be sure to use the special code WINGNUT250 for $250 off of that whole situation right there. That's buildlane.com WINGNUT250. You're going to love them. Okay, let's dive into that a little bit more. Explain your packages. I didn't notice, is that something you have on your website? And when you say minimum and a maximum, what do those packages look like? So this is a sales strategy. So I will absolutely walk you through it. So basically on my website, I have an inbound website. So I use HubSpot and I have amazing SEO, amazing inbound traffic. Everything we do is organic. I don't have any paid traffic at all. I publish two blogs, put a lot of content out there. So I'm fishing. I'm constantly fishing with my content. Somebody comes to the website, they click the get started button and, you know, they fill out an intake form. They automatically get a calendar invite to talk to me. And I do my first landscape meeting with them on the phone, not even video. And they have a little bit of homework that they give me. And that is my first opportunity to make a sales offer, to make an offer to them. And that offer is that I come out and I do what's called an on-site landscape assessment. And that assessment is a paid, it's a paid assessment. It's a minimum of an hour, a maximum of two. I tell them to book two hours of their calendar and expect me to leave in 90 minutes because I don't want to overwhelm them and that they have no obligation to work with me after that time. There is no deliverable other than the fact that I am there and I will deliver for every single minute that I am there. And I guarantee them that when I leave, they will know their property better than they knew it when I got there. And that's the first sale. And that sale started out at $97. We now charge $497. And when I charged, I think it was like, I did an hourly rate, like $95 an hour, and then it was $125 an hour, and then it was $195 an hour, and then I was there for two hours, and I had to like sit there and go, okay, that's, you know. <laughs> yeah. I got pushback on the dollar. Now, I have dozens lined up, and it's never a question. And all the sales after that, you know, they're packaged, like different design packages, and then different maintenance packages, and then, of course, all projects are per project. They're customized. But what that's done is it's taken all the pain of the first sale because once somebody buys from you, and if they can buy from you just over the phone, once they do that, you've broken down a barrier where they believe in you. And your job when you get there is to give like crazy, really give and serve them, watch their face And I found that, man, I have met some cool people. I've had some awesome meetings. I love those meetings. There's a parallel in the the design industry because designers do that as well. They go out and charge for the first consultation anywhere from an hour to two hours. Very similar. Mine was $4.95. You know, and I I experimented with doing free consultations as well. But again, that's another show. But when I was doing the paid, it was $4.95 and it was the same thing. 
you're delivering value. You're going to know your house. You're going to know what's possible, what isn't possible. You're going to have some takeaways on that. No deliverables, but you know, we're going to go and brainstorm or whatever. And you're right. That does break the ice. And and the best customers are people who've already purchased from you. You're building that know, like, and trust. I've had success with both models, with free consultations and with paid consultations. And your mileage may vary with either, but I love that. And you know, you're not wasting your time. You are getting paid for it. Do you come to Maryland? <laughs> Actually, I do. Do you? I'm buying. I have family all over Maryland. <laughs> I'm buying a new house. I might need a landscaper. We'll talk after the oh, show. Oh yeah, I'll be down there. So we'll visit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have the pricing on your website? I'm sorry if I missed that. I do not. Okay. Nope. So you just discuss it with them then. Okay. All right. Cool. So you started out with one W two employee, and now you have eighteen. How long did it take you to get to that level? Probably in twenty. 20- so that was 1991. I had my first W-2 mm-hmm. person. And then in two, probably like 2000, I had maybe six. And now we're in 2021 and I have 18. We'll, by the end of the month, we'll have 20, 22 maybe. So I think it took, you know, it was incremental. I think every decade kind of inched up and then I leveled off and kind of hung out there for a while. So it was under 10 and then it was 15 or just 12, 13, 14, 15. And then it became that we couldn't do it without, you know, 16 minimum, ideally 20. And remember too, my work is seasonal. So people come and they go. Oh, true. Yeah. I didn't even think about that because I'm from Miami originally. There's no seasons here, but now uh, Maryland, there are. Right. And I'm Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. And at what point do you cap it? And you say, oh, we're not scaling anymore. There's just going to be a waiting list and I'm not going to grow it anymore. What is the smart decision there? I don't know. I haven't hit it. (laughs) I think for me, like I capped it at a million and a half because I believed at a million and a half that I had strategic problems on the inside. I had done amazing work to do the marketing and to bring the right client in. And I wanted to hit 2 million, but I was having a really hard time navigating the internal stuff. And I realized that I had this huge flow, but I had a tiny boat and like my oars weren't strong enough. And I had to do all this work to shore up my organizational chart and get really clear, have role clarity, communication clarity. And that took me several years. So I just kept a lid on a million and a half for a while. And then I kind of popped the lid in 2018 and we we just started plowing forward. And of course, you know, then COVID hit and is, you know, really weird. But we're right now we're um, trying to scale to two and a half million. I was going to say when you get to that part and you get to that big, because there's a thing called span of control. I know when I was on the police department, you as a supervisor, you could only you're top span of control would be supervising 12 people. At that point, when you get to be over a million and a half or two million, you start to see things are getting a little shaky. Is that the time to bring in a a director of operations or or something like that, that reports to you and they handle, or maybe even two? Totally. So my organizational chart now has me, and then we have a corporate team, and then I have a production team. And in my production team, I have two production leads, and then they have direct reports So like if I'm out telling a gardener how to garden or I'm going out and I'm telling a mason how to, you know, do like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, that's not what I should be doing. So I'm staying up. I'm creative director. So I'm making sure that the whole strategy around marketing and sales and that first onboarding of clients, um, I also do a lot of the initial onboarding of the staff. So the people part for me, like my thing, my tagline these days is that I'm a gardener of people that I'm gardening the clientele and I'm gardening the staff. Like my job is to make sure all the people 
are in their right frame of mind, doing their right work and making sure that I'm supporting them so that they just keep pushing the mission along. And so if I didn't have somebody out there who knew how to prune roses or who knew how to lay a patio, I'd be in trouble. So what I'm hearing from you is you're not doing the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week. (laughs) No, I'm definitely not. But you know what's really interesting about that? Because I read that book and I really liked it. And what I did, so landscape companies, they tend to work six to seven days a week. And they work really, really long hours. They tend to work about 12-hour days. And they don't take much time off. We work five days a week. We do 10-hour days, Monday through Friday. So we have a 50-hour work week. And I don't work 50 hours every week. I Three days a week, I go to yoga in the morning. So I'm not even in work until 10 o'clock. So I, I can work less. But then we do things like for Labor Day weekend, let's say, which is coming up. Well, we all have Monday off paid, but I also give everybody Friday off paid. So I'm huge around lifestyle. So we have all these four-day weekends that are peppered in there. And then, you know, employee appreciation where we go beer or whatever. But I love to work. I get that. <laughs> I'm not really like I could sit on a beach for a little while. I love to paddleboard, but like after a while, I think I'd be my brain like I'd be building something. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that. But the the point is, is that you love to work. You love your job. You love what you do, and that's great. But you have the freedom to do. I'm guessing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah. Next week, I'm going to be in Florida because I am also a business coach. That's you know another business that I run, and so. And I'm on this podcast, which, you know, they're all working and I'm here. So I'm speaking at the Florida Nursery and Growers and Landscape Association, and I'm speaking as a business coach. And my whole team is going to be here and I'm bringing an assistant with me. So for me, it's really about building a lifestyle that allows me to live kind of fully in the way I want to live, really present for my family, for my kids, but also really present for my employees. I like moving fast. So it fits me. I guess the most important thing is that whoever is building their business, you wouldn't build my business. You would build the business that made the lifestyle. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yep. And that's the point. That is absolutely the point. And all of this and all of your, your years of doing the landscaping and scaling up and doing the business, is there one caveat or mistake that you may have made that you can tell the audience not to make or warn them about? I only have to tell them one (laughs) (laughs) or or two. I've made more than one. Darla, I've made more than one. (laughs) What would be the, what would be the biggest? Okay. I, I think the biggest is to be very clear that there isn't anyone out there that's going to rescue you. There isn't a hire, a client, a job, a software that is going to rescue you. I think for me, I believed that if I just hired the right person, that it would just, it would all fall into place. And that it, it just repeatedly, it kept not happening. And repeatedly, I would be disappointed. And finally, what I realized is that I needed to embody my vision totally and have full agency to direct things the way I wanted them to go and then be really forthcoming with the people that I was hiring. So saying, look, at if you love this job, this is awesome. This is what I want. This is what I expect. This is what I hope you do. But if it's not good for you, there's the door. We can still be friends. I can meet you for beer on Friday. Like, it's fine. And by releasing that death grip on 
this idea that some employee or some situation was going to rescue you from the hard work of owning a business. Owning a business is hard work. Yeah. It doesn't have to be painful work, but it will ebb and flow. That would be my number one. I love it. I got goosebumps. That's terrific advice. Monique, I have to ask you, is there anything that I forgot to ask you that you think the audience needs to hear on the subject before we move into the What Up Wingnut round? I think one of the most important things that I would say has been pivotal for me is the ability, and again, not to be too woo-woo about this because it's going to come out and sound woo-woo, but the ability to envision your future, to really sit down and allow your mind to be expansive about what's possible I think taking that time in stillness and whatever gap you can give yourself, whether it's on a beach or on a yoga mat or whatever it is on a bicycle to imagine the idea of giving my staff a four day long weekend came when I took a weekend to just walk on the beach. And I thought to myself what I really wanted personally. And then the moment I realized what I wanted personally, I wanted to give it to everyone who worked for me. Because it was that awesome. And it just, it was kind of like envisioning and it just becomes this download. I think we just have to trust that. And especially as creatives, because we have the ability to like create stuff out of nothing. I love it. Terrific. Now, M- Monique Allen, I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. Totally. <laughs> now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Hashtag be outstanding. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your one favorite food. What is it? So it's Armenian food, and it would be lamajun with tabbouleh. I could oh, eat it all that's day That's a first. Long. Okay. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had an impact on you either personally or professionally. Oh, this was hard. So I have, I have two. I have a professional one and a, and a personal professional one. The professional one is the book Let Go to Grow. It was written by Doug and Polly White. Why Some Businesses Thrive and Others Fail to Reach Their Potential. And it is where I absolutely learned the methodology of opening your hands and letting go. And the thing is, you can't let go like this. You can't have one hand clenched and the other one open. That's fake letting go. So that was pivotal for me because I had a chokehold on some things. And the other one, I just have to say, it's called the Continuum Concept. The company's called the Garden Continuum. Allowing Human Nature to Work Successfully by Jean Ladoff. Really good book. All right. Awesome. Monique, would you be game to carrying this conversation on over in Wingnut Premium? You know what I'd love to talk to you about as a landscaper, especially being the first landscaper on the show with your paradigm and your values with gardening. Is We have a lot of interior designers listening her into eco-design, eco-friendly design, biophilic design. And I don't know, I don't think that any of them or many of them think about partnering or networking with landscapers in order to increase their offering, increase their value, or to see a bigger vision of this ideal for homeowners. So I was wondering if you would be interested in carrying this conversation and, and speaking to that some. I would love to. That is so my jam. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm really fascinated. I love biophilic design, so I'm really fascinated to to hear your thoughts on that. All right. So before we go and meet each other in the premium studio, please tell the Wingnut listeners where they can go to find out more about you. And uh, you have a book, you said. I do have a book. It's called Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping. And you can get it right on my website. My website is www.thegardencontinuum.com. All my socials are there, and my happy place would be Instagram, though I'm not as good as I should be. (laughs) Oh, I know a marketing agency that can help you with that. 
right. <laughs> we have a very good track record, but we also have a waiting list because nobody leaves. Oh, gee. Good. Yes. <laughs> Everybody sticks around. I'm not complaining. All right, Monique, thank you so much for joining us. I'll meet you over in the Wingnut studio. Wonderful. Bye. All right. So you might be out there thinking, I'm very comfortable just being a solopreneur and doing my 40, 50 hours a week and interior design being hands-on. I'm good to go. I'm very comfortable and that's really all I want. And if that's the case, then that's what makes you happy and that's what you want. There's no judgment here. I think the main thing was to scale to a lifestyle that makes you happy. And that is a scale of one or a scale of two if you're very small. But if you want to scale even bigger, I think she gave us some very good advice on how to do that, the benefits of doing that, and some of the pitfalls involved in doing that. And uh, Monique and I had a very interesting conversation in the Wingnut Premium Studio about partnering with landscape designers as an interior designer in order to increase your offering. So you guys want to go check that out. All right, that's it for this week. Remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. Wingnuts help me in welcoming Monique Allen to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Ah, yeah, mother. <laughs> okay, gonna record the outro, gonna record it. Tell you right now, that is an, a very... Remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. God bless America in the butt. Good boy, Mango.